Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group, this time with our partner, NCHV, the National Coalition of Homeless Veterans. Today is Saturday, April 29th, 2023, April is Sexual Assault, Minority Health, and Autism Awareness Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Clement, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, but filling in, of course, is Shakaya in the office in our studio control room and also our technical producer today. Our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions, and we have our partners on the line with us today. That is Catherine Monet. She is the Chief Executive Officer of the National Coalition of Homeless Veterans, and Ralph Cooper, the Community and Residential Veteran Services Coordinator of Cloudbreak Houston, LLC, and co-founder of the National Coalition of Homeless Veterans. And we have a panelist with us, Lisa Lieberman. She's a Vice President of Communications at Mazone. We're talking about food insecurity, something that has been something that has been important these days as the price of food has gone up tremendously due to inflation over the last year or so, last year and a half or so. And now we want to talk about what we can do about it and how there are certain things that are being done about it. So, Mr. Cooper, lead us off. Tell us what is going on. Uh, can you hear us, Mr. Cooper? I can. Perfect. Can you hear me? Are you great? So tell us what is happening today and what is your organization doing on this topic and what do we need to know about this topic right now? Well, as you know or may not know, that we have approximately 500 previously homeless veterans in our uh, facilities. And one of the real big issues that uh, the VA, who has uh, some clinical social workers and case workers, on our property working with our veterans know that food healthy food is so important for the men and women who are coming out of the coming off of the streets and out of homelessness need to have this food on a regular basis and uh, i was so pleased to hear that the rockefeller foundation and the va had gotten together and and uh, want to do something about this. And, and Houston is one of the cities that, one of the number one cities that have been selected. <clears throat> and the, um, the VA in Houston with uh, Dr. Crowley, who heads up the, uh, the um, homeless programs for the VAs in Houston, uh, is is working closely with them to provide the assistance that veterans need so that they can purchase uh, good, healthy food. I believe veterans are going to be getting $100. I just don't know the sequence. I'm hoping that uh, Lisa can shed some light on that. Lisa, so when I looked up, Mazon, I saw it was a great quote I like about what you had on your on your website. It says, Mazon is not a Jewish response to hunger. It is the Jewish response to hunger. And you talk a lot about interfaith. Tell us about some of the work you're doing and trying to solve this issue of food insecurity. Sure. Um, can you hear me okay? Hey, you're great. 
Hi, nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me and having Mazon on the show. Yeah, Mazon is a Jewish response to hunger. We um, have been around for almost 40 years. And really, the whole contention is that our moral, our values, our Jewish values, which really, for me, I think, translate very clearly into American values, um, lead us to an end for hunger, regardless of a person's circumstance. Um, we've really been committed for all of those nearly 40 years to policy solutions that address the root causes of hunger and not just band-aid approaches of helping someone in that moment, which obviously is so important. If someone is looking for food today, they need to have access to food today. Um, but really making sure that people are not in the situation where they're facing hunger and not able to feed themselves or their families. And this is true today for far too many veterans. Um, I'm sure we're going to get into some of the statistics, but just a few um, I mean, we know that about 1.2 million veterans receive assistance, federal nutrition assistance from SNAP, which used to be called food stamps. Now it's referred to as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. But this statistic of 1.2 million, that really only tells part of the story because we're, we fear and we, and we have data that suggests that many, many more um, potentially, potentially, you know, one in four of those veterans in need of food assistance is not receiving the food that they that they um, can access, the benefits they can access to help put food on the table. Um, so we call this a SNAP participation gap, and we're really concerned about this among veterans. Um, you know, this is where assistance is within reach, but it's left on the table for hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of low-income veterans who deserve assistance and have fought bravely for this country. Wow, you just mentioned 1.2 veterans, 1.2 million veterans that are um, getting food stamps or having food insecurity. So that means it's based, just doing the math in my head, that means it's twice the rate of what the national average for food insecurity is. Because, and according to the USDA, 10.2% of households face food insecurity. Um, veterans are 7.4 times more likely, or 7.4% more likely to face food insecurity. And these are working age veterans. Correct. Yeah, and we're concerned. We uh, there's a lot of different studies that suggest um, that certain populations among veterans face higher rates of food insecurity. So, for instance, I think it's like 27 percent of veterans of the wars of Iraq and Afghanistan struggle to put food on the table, and that that is certainly more than double the national rate. We're concerned about um, some other subsets, like female veterans face very high numbers, Native American and other veterans of color. LGBTQ plus veterans, and um, we really need more data for a lot of these, um, a lot of these populations because, um, you know, unfortunately, oftentimes policy solutions are not uh, within reach until we have data to show how much of a problem it is. And with this, you know, it's like we can, we can see how many veterans are getting snapped. You know, we as long as the agencies speak with each other, which doesn't always happen, but it's getting better. Um, but we're concerned that, uh, I mean, you know, if someone goes to a food pantry, they're, they're not being asked, are you a veteran? Are you currently serving? Are you in the reserve? They're, they're, it's a no questions asked situation. So that's not a place for data collection. So unfortunately, we don't entirely know the full scope of this problem. Hmm. Ms. Monet, what can you tell us about what veterans can do? And also, can you give us more color on the numbers and how veterans can get help 
using the VA resources and also some of the things that are out there and some of the things that your organization is doing to solve hunger. And by the way, did I make sure I got this right? So I'm reading it off my, my script here. Um, Ralph Cooper, are you the co-founder of the National Coalition of Homeless Veterans? I am, sir. Okay, wow. Uh, one of the so, – actually, there's four of us living that are co-founders. Wow. So, Ms. Monet, tell us what are you guys – what are you guys doing at the National Coalition of Homeless Veterans to try to tackle this issue, and how are you partnering with the VA? Well, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about this issue is that when you dive into the population of veterans who are experiencing or at risk of homelessness, what you see is that even the folks who are getting SNAP assistance, about 50% of them still report that they're facing food insecurity and they're still hungry. And so one of the things that we really focused in on during the pandemic was trying to find more flexibility for VA to be able to offer limited assistance to veterans. And one of the things that that manifested into during, I think, the CARES and Rescue Plan era was this one statutory authority where VA could buy food, they could pay for transportation, they could connect veterans with cell phones, tents, let them live on VA medical center campuses, do a lot of that stuff. But that is actually disappearing on May 11th at the end of the public health emergency. And so we've been working pretty hard to get some of those provisions and a lot of other big priorities that we have to extend it and um, We've been seeing limited success, if I'm being really honest. You said it hasn't been a success or has been a success? What was that last part you said? Well, so I think the program has been a success, mm-hmm. right? I mean, VA has reported over 40,000 veterans have come in and gotten assistance. Um, a lot of them have been connected with food and have been put up in hotels, which is really great for outreach workers, right? When you think about the fact that you can actually meet a need that a veteran has today, build up that credibility and have them in one centralized place where you can come back, you can connect with them, and you can continue to engage them on the path to housing in a way that is just a lot more challenging to do if they're out on the streets trying to figure out where to go. But because this program is slated to go away on May 11th, we've been really working hard with our partners in Congress to get it extended more permanently or even on a short-term basis just to make sure that veterans who are still out there can access the services and supports that they need, including food. All of the food organizations like the Northwest Indiana Food uh, Bank, um, the uh, the Chicago uh, um, Bank here, uh, all of them, all the places that I've talked to, they're all saying that they're seeing more people than ever that are needing food assistance because of the price of groceries have gone up so much. And then on top of that, um, people are, yes, people are working and, and the employment numbers look look good, but the wages quite are not quite up to par with inflation. So wh- how did so Mr. Cooper, what can what uh, what is what is an alternative for our veterans so they can try to get help um, and get some of the uh, things done where what needs to be what needs to change, I guess you should say, in order for veterans to not find themselves in these situations? Well, I can tell you that um the property that we have, which is, is at 4640 Main Street and 4700 Travis Street in Houston, Texas, we have uh, three buildings. Um, we have one building that we have uh, um, 286 units. Another building, we have 190 units. Another building, we have 57 units. And... They're not all homeless, previously homeless veterans, but 90% of them are. We also have a program on property 
called U.S. Vets Inc. and they do a grant and per diem program, which the VA is is the sponsor of. And they feed individuals coming off the street that get housed in their program, it's like two to three to a unit, and they get three squares a day. So, and, <clears throat> and uh, when I did the radio show on NPR, uh, I mentioned to them that one of the things I hope happens with the Houston operation is that they contact U.S. vets and any other program that is servicing uh, previously homeless veterans to ensure that they have the quality of food that they need so that these individuals' three square meals can be healthy three square meals. And that's one thing I want to talk about as well, which is nutrition. Um, four square, me- square meals, but also healthy four square meals. I like that, which you, did you said that. I saw on the, vet- uh, the Veterans Health Administration uh, um, website, they talked about veteran health equity. There's a, there's a podcast actually called the Veteran Health Equity Podcast, and they had an episode called Preventing Diabetic Food Ulcers. Foot Ulcers, I'm sorry. Um, so eating healthy is, is important. So, uh, Lisa, can you tell us a little bit about the importance of trying to help people who are also um, in situations where they're, they don't have access to maybe grocery stores or they don't have access to a lot of – they're in food deserts or they're in places where they're, they're eating the easiest thing to, they can get a hold of, which might be chips and, and sodas and all that kind of st- unhealthy stuff. Um, how do you educate people to think about eating more healthy and using their benefits to eat healthier? Yeah, you bring up a really important point. Um, and not only is it often hard to, you know, sometimes unhealthy food is the cheaper option, or sometimes you don't get to pick and choose what kind of food you pick up at the um, at the food pantry because there are limited options and it's easier to uh, to store and and have donations, frankly of food that's non-perishable and canned foods and boxed mac and cheese and things like that. Um, you're, you're not in a position to be able to pick and choose or necessarily get fresh produce. You also mentioned the concept of food deserts, which is a, is a huge problem, especially um, in Indian country and in rural communities. Um, we actually have started, many, many anti-hunger groups and, and advocates have started to use the term food apartheid um, wow. because it's a uh, desert is a... Uh, is a natural phenomenon and, and there actually are systemic issues at play, we think, of why um, some people don't have access to fresh foods on a regular basis. Um, but another really important thing to note with this part of the conversation is that food insecurity is directly associated with negative costly health outcomes and, and there is a real cost, obviously, for people's lives, but even to the American public. Um, I mean, and we're talking healthcare costs. Of course, there are issues of obesity and diabetes-related illnesses, um, even like stress and mental health issues. I was listening to the segment just before this, and there are real um, like chronic issues that can take place and often do. Um, I'm just looking at there was a 2019 study. This is obviously before COVID, and I think everything has gotten worse and been exposed since covid but in 2019, um, food insecurity results in an average healthcare cost of $1,834 per adult in the U.S. Um, so I think there's a real point to be made that food insecurity leads to increased costs and poor outcomes. 
Um, and there's a real goal, there's a really important role for the VA health system to play. And I'm I, I think it's it's notable that they are really doing great work. And, and there's more to be done, certainly. But um, they're starting to screen for food insecurity and uh, they, they have started this. And that, that is huge progress. So Lisa or Eliza? It's Eliza. Okay. I'll answer to either one, but it's Eliza. <laughs> I just want to make sure. So, when you, um, how did you, how did the Maison get uh, connected to the VA? You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure how we we first got connected to the VA. I'm the VA. I have to um, find out the exact history there. But um, we've been doing this work with um, veteran communities and actually currently serving military communities as kind of a obviously related, but a little bit of separate policy issues sometimes um, for over a decade. And as I said, my zone has been around for about 40 years. And within the last like 10 to 12 years, um, we've identified a few populations, among them our veterans and military families, um, that face unique barriers to food insecurity. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, the USDA figures, one in 10 Americans today is facing food insecurity. It's a huge national problem. Um, but there are some communities that we've identified that face unique barriers within that crisis. And we've identified some policy solutions, you know, quick fix, what should be quick fixes, but in today's political climate, nothing is a quick fix um, that we've really zeroed in on. Um, so we've developed a relationship with the VA. Our office in Washington happens to be like two blocks away, but I don't think that's how we forged the connection in the first place. And now we've actually begun a really um productive uh you know i think we we have a lot of thoughts on how the va can do their job better and we've and we have a very productive relationship with them and they've developed some incredible resources and um working groups and there really is a commitment to address this issue from within the VA, we've also seen a lot of incredible efforts from this administration, frankly. Um, there's a lot of energy for this issue on Capitol Hill. Um, people are starting to understand that this is a big problem and no one should be facing food insecurity in this country. As we say, in this land of plenty, there should be plenty for everyone. But certainly those who fight for our country and who have literally given the utmost sacrifice those people and their families should not be wondering where they're going to find their next meal. So, Ms. Monet, so back to you. So wanted wow. to, I wanted to know from what you understand, you mentioned that a lot of the programs are expiring that exist today, currently through the VA. So what will be left from the VA as far as their help to try to conquer this, this problem with food insecurity? And what would you like to see them do besides maybe extend the programs that are expiring? What else could the VA be doing in order to help veterans and help the communities? Well, so there are a lot of pandemic-specific programs that are expiring, but the mainstay programs will still be there. And it's my understanding that VA just recently opened up an office of food insecurity to help all veterans really address those issues. Um, my understanding is that that office is still kind of new, right? And they've got some pilot things like the program that they're running down in Houston. But I think there's probably a lot more that they could do, not only to provide food in terms of, like, you know, here are canned goods and fresh foods from the voluntary service or whatever part of VA can help out. But in terms of even just helping folks connect to SNAP, right, and being able to process those applications and partner with their, you know, local SNAP office or whatever to really qualify veterans into the program. I do think when you're looking at veterans who are experiencing homelessness, right, oftentimes when you're thinking about how you connect them to housing, 
it's just so much more complicated because life is more complicated when you're outside, when you're thinking about how you find them, how you get them connected to the benefits application, you know, how they find apartments. And I'd imagine the same is true of food, right? How do you get them connected to SNAP? How do you make sure that they have even transportation to go somewhere where they can buy the food? And then if they're unsheltered, where do they keep it? There's no refrigeration. How do you ensure that they've got what they need to stay healthy? And so I, I think there's probably a lot that they could really be thoughtful about in terms of really integrating food into some of the programs and the approach that they're taking to homelessness because, you know, housing instability and food insecurity often exist side by side, right? As families and people are really making the hard choices about their budget and the money that they have. And so I do think there needs to be a lot more connectivity at VA. I noticed at the, the hospital I go to that they started giving out, they had like a, like pantries on different floors, um, and, there is this, and I'm not sure if it's donated by people that go to the hospital or if the hospital is purchasing the food, but they have these pantries. Um, this shelves basically with just free food. And there's a sign that says if you need food, you know, feel free, grab what you want to grab, mostly canned goods, things like that. Um, do you know if the VA has done anything like that in any of the facilities? This is a question for all three of you because I'm not sure if anybody has an answer to this question. But have you seen anything like this at a VA facility? Um, also, what do people do? Because you mentioned – how hard it is for someone homeless. But what about people that live in rural areas who don't have, they're not close to a major city or major food bank or, or something along those, those lines. How do they get access to food and healthy food? Any, anybody can answer that question because I don't, because I don't even know if we have an answer for that question. Well, I don't well, know I about the, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mr. Cooper first. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the, uh, you know, whether the VA has a pantry facilities right here within the hospital itself. However, um, we have a facility and we have a very small pantry that we, we hooked up with uh, along with US that. But we have we do have access and we utilize transportation to take our veterans to food pantries and food outlets that uh, that can allow them to to get them. <clears throat> a lot of a lot of what you're talking about too is it's canned goods and other long shelf life stuff. Um, we have produce that comes to our facility every Friday, so people can actually go to the truck and get uh, vegetables and and uh, fresh produce. So that's a big it's a big issue. <clears throat> and we also school some of our veterans about the canned goods because they're laden with salt and all that stuff to keep to preserve them. You can actually wash the canned goods off, you know, and use a strainer. Wow! And sometimes and that'll help somewhat, but that's not going to substitute for fresh produce. Well, wow, I didn't know about that. I never thought about that. Renting off your canned goods so that way it can make it a little bit uh, fresher, <laughs> I guess, or less salty, I guess, or maybe less. Uh, tainted. <laughs> uh, Eliza, do you have any any uh, knowledge on that? Yeah, the VA has done um, quite a few partnerships with food pantries. I think several, I mean, certainly VA headquarters has partnerships, um, but then I think a lot of the local offices, um, they're really public, public-private partnerships um, at VA facilities around the country. Um, another thing we've worked with them on that we're really proud of is to um, implement uh, what's called the Hunger Vital Signs Screener 
to identify food insecure veterans who come into VA facilities uh, from the healthcare side. And again, um, and we're actually advocating that we um, that we expand that and that we can um, make sure that that those people who are on VA facilities, the piece that isn't always happening, I think it is at some VA facilities, but we're hoping that that they can um, expand what's referred to as on-site SNAP eligibility. So that program, the food stamp program I mentioned, a lot of veterans don't know that they're eligible for that or they think it's not for them or they think, you know, there's a very a very proud culture, especially among veterans. This is not for mm-hmm. me. Someone needs it more than I do. But actually, SNAP is an, eligi- is an eligibility program. It's an entitlement program. Mm-hmm. Um, it's available to anyone who needs it in this country. And... Um, so I think there's a lot, a lot of people that are, are leaving benefits on the table, frankly. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, um, oh, what was the one other thing I wanted to mention? Yeah, oh, this is, I was going to say, another mm-hmm. thing that Mazone has been very committed to, as I mentioned, we're, we're very proud to be working with the VA. Um, we're also really committed to finding and helping those who are outside the VA system, which is another big problem. Um, but they're... You know, those are people that might not go in and be screened in a setting like this. Um, but we've started a partnership with um, this organization called Psych Armor that some of you are probably aware of. And that's trainings for people who work with veterans and caretakers and veterans themselves um, to kind of make sure that they're socialized around the idea of SNAP. And they've heard of it. And they know this fact that SNAP is an entitlement program. And, and there are other programs, too, by the way, other um, USDA nutrition assistance programs that, um, like the WIC program for for women and and infants and children. Let me cut um, you off right there so, because we're gonna, running out of time. Give me yeah. one. Can you give us one website where you could find all of these resources for for food sources? For us, I will say mazone.org slash veterans or mazone.org slash psych armor. All right. We're running out of time, so Ms. Monet, I'll have to get to you next time you come back. I'm going to lead off with you because I want to ask you some questions. This is America's Group. We appreciate all you guys' time. Thank you. Thank you. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.